0: We're back now for another episode of the Wealthy Way Podcast. i got my co-host, Blake Hassabrock, and Hello. my boy, JB. And uh, we're going to be talking about estate planning today. This is something Blake asked me about recently, and he just saw a story about the, this Patagonia founder. What what happened with him?
1: Yeah, man. So Yvonne Chouinard, uh legend. This guy's a legendary rock climber from Yosemite back in the 1960s. Everybody knows Patagonia, right?
0: Yep. Yes. Yeah,
1: $3 billion clothing company. They've been super active in you know climate change and environmental preservation, all that stuff. And uh, this guy just gives his company away this week out of nowhere, just gave his company away to a nonprofit um, in the interest of contributing to the climate change uh, efforts, the efforts to obviously like reverse climate change and address it. So uh, that got me thinking, man. $3 billion company. He's got a couple kids that work actively in the business. And, you know, instead of cashing out and giving his kids the money, he signed the company over to the nonprofit. Mm. And I'm like, man, I wonder what Ryan would think about this. Like, <laughs> what are you going to do with your companies when you're 83 and James and Oh, are like,
0: Hey, Dad, I got great grandkids
1: and stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's a tough thing to do, but it's pretty noble what he did.
0: Yeah, this is something interesting that obviously you don't really start thinking about until either you're older or you've achieved wealth. And um, I'm not older, but I have achieved wealth. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I've done is create my trust. Right. So you know I've got a will and a trust of what exactly happens to the companies and money and all these things. And what's funny is. I've been updating the trust about every two years as mm. my life has changed, right? As new people enter into my life, as the businesses grow, as people exit my life. And it's actually changed a lot, you know, like not only with wealth, but like we have to put, hey, who are going to, who's going to take care of James and Olivia if we both die? Exactly. Right? Like, yep. is it going to be Mindy's parents, my parents? What if both parents die? hmm Right? And these are questions like we have to answer. Right. And just in case, and they're very, you know, hopefully long shots, but how do we do that? How do we, what happens to, for everyone in this office, the companies?
1: Right. Yeah. Who runs the companies?
0: Yeah. Yeah. These are things that are all outlined in the will.
1: Cause you've got like, how many employees do you have total?
0: Probably close to hundred with all these different companies. Whew.
1: That's like having a hundred kids. Yeah. Cause when I think of. You know, if I'm if I'm about to go on a dangerous trip canoeing or something, I do whitewater canoeing with yeah. my buddies. I like to tighten up the trust before I go. I know that sounds morbid, but I'm like, okay, just want to make sure this is updated with all the new assets and you know, I'm gonna go have a good time and not worry about dying the whole time. And <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Leaving my children with a, with nothing. But for you, you've got a hundred people that rely on the companies to run and I'm sure Yvonne Chenard has a trust in place, taking care of his family. And uh, I'm sure they're all good to go. It's not like they're going to be homeless now that he's given his company away. It sounds more so that he's given away the responsibility of managing the profit of the company for the future. And he's dedicated that to climate change. And a piece that I heard is the nonprofit, which I'm not an expert in nonprofits, So this may be every nonprofit that's involved with any kind of agenda, but the specifics of the nonprofit were to battle climate change and support politicians who um, stood for climate change. Mm. So I'm sure, um, I'm sure the nonprofit that was created specifically for this will probably be in some way affected by Yvonne Chenard's will. Mm -hmm. You know, like he'll he'll choose what they do, maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There, there might be conditions on the donation. Obviously there, there definitely will be conditions because if the nonprofit's not a good shepherd of Mm. what he built, I'm sure there's some kind of stipulation that it can be pulled back.
1: Right. And the kids are still involved in running the company. Okay. So they're not skipping a beat. Yeah. The company's going to be run per usual. All the employees are still getting paid.
0: I'm sure too, as kids, I mean, obviously they've probably made a lot of money and they, um, probably have their own shares of the company mm-hmm. that they own and this was strictly his right. his deal
1: and it might be a mastermind scheme of like now he's that's a huge write off
0: yeah and you that's know? a whole another thing with tax and and wealth and all that stuff i mean nobody knows um where the tax situation will be when you die but there's a lot of stuff that um happens when you die where if you structure it wrong your kids inheriting the money owe a lot of tax and mm-hmm. they're not getting it. And yeah. if you structure it right, all the tax goes away. Yeah, you know, it's funny, like, uh, there's a joke when you 1031 um, a building, you know, they're like, when does it stop? Well, for those of you don't know, a 1031 is basically, um, if you have, a, a let's say, a piece of real estate and, you know, whatever, it's $500,000, you go sell it uh, a few years from now, you get a million bucks for it. Typically, you would pay tax on $500,000. That's what the gain was. But you can instead say, hey, I'm gonna 1031 exchange this into a new property. And so you could take all that profit and buy an even bigger property. So maybe you take the $500,000 gain and you go buy a property for $2 million now. Right. And you use it as the down payment. And you know now you have a property for $2 million, you don't pay any tax. And then you do it again. And then you do it again. And all of a sudden now, this one property that you bought 30 years ago is now in a $20 million property, right?
1: Right. Totally. You st- still haven't paid tax. You
0: on it. still have never paid tax on it. And so the question becomes, hey, when do you actually pay tax on it? Right. Or w- when does that happen? It's like, um, well, ideally in a 1031, what ideally happens is you die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's you die scenario. and you pay no tax.
1: Wow. Because the estate tax at least currently doesn't uh, apply to your assets when you die and hand them down.
0: Um, Are I mean, dude, there's that? there's all these different laws. I couldn't even tell you. I I let Matt My partner at Truebooks handle all that. But um, yeah, that's like kind of the basis of the 1031. Like just literally, they they call it, oh, this is the saying they say, swap till you drop. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You keep swapping properties until you drop dead.
1: Yeah. I mean, like anything else, man. And then those guys that are doing that, typically, if they do need cash flow, they'll leverage the assets for cash. Flow, yeah.
0: That, right? Like think about it. If, if I was in this property and I just kept leveraging and retrading up and up and up, eventually I could borrow against that $20 million property and go borrow 5 million bucks. It's still tax free. Right.
1: And is that always through like a HELOC uh, product? What, well, is, what mean, does commercial look like? Is there a HELOC yeah, com- for commercial real estate?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's all different types of lines of credit you can get. I mean, they wouldn't be called a HELOC, right. but same principle. Same principle. Interesting.
1: Yeah. 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 I've seen a lot of stuff on, you know, like The infinite banking and uh, how the uber Uber wealthy leverage their assets to spend cash while their assets continue to appreciate. Yeah. And uh, just haven't really thought twice about it because I'm not in that ballgame yet. I'm still playing Little League.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll share with you guys later in the episode kind of like things I thought about for my will and what Mindy and I had to have really hard conversations Mm on. Yeah, man. But I'm curious, like you guys, JB, what have you thought about in terms of, like, death and, and everything, when it comes to money and anything? Have you thought about it at all?
2: Yeah, I mean, I have. Because uh, I've had experience, like, my, with my father passing away, mm-hmm. I have got to experience what it was like for very little to be, you know, prepared for in that situation because it was so unexpected. So uh, um, as of now, like, you know, I, me and, and Ashley, we always discuss, like, if this happens, what do we do next and what happens – for me, you know, it ain't like I got a whole lot of assets or you know a bunch of money to sitting on that, you know, they're going the kids are going to fight over. But yeah. I still, you know, you never know if something, you know, if I get Uber successful for some reason and things work out in my favor, I want there to be clear, you know, definition on what I want to see happen and what. Why? Why
0: expect. you say if?
2: But, you know. <laughs> It's, it's it's not that i'm i'm even thinking that it can't happen it's just you know today is going to be different than what tomorrow will be right so i i think like the discussion is important you know if nothing else yeah yeah i i hopefully
0: you have that discussion here in the next couple of years where you're like having to plan for it cuz things have changed dramatically
1: you know something that happened just <clears throat> this week kind of made me reconsider all of my asset protection measures. Like I've got a living trust to make sure the kids and my wife are taken care of if and when I die in a canoeing accident. (laughs) (laughs) No foreshadowing there. But- um, While we laugh at that. Yeah, right. But, you know, Justin, similar to your situation, like when I was young, my father passed away and he had a long stint in the hospital. So he left massive amounts of debt for my mom and I um, that changed our, our life a lot for the negative. And, you know, a similar situation happened with my stepfather. And so something that I haven't considered when planning for the kids is like canoeing accident. Okay. That's best case. Like it happens, you're gone. You have your estate that you've set up, they get your life insurance money and whatever assets you have, it's all set. You know, who's going to take care of the kids, all that. What I've seen play out with my father and stepfather was kind of the worst case scenario that most people don't consider, and that I didn't consider even until recently, because I, you know, I found out my mother um, just got diagnosed with with cancer. So it's something that hit home recently and made me reconsider. Like, am I really prepared for the scenario, uh, the worst case scenario, which is accruing massive amounts of medical debt and? Mm-hmm. Maybe by the time you're done with your medical treatments and and finally pass away, you don't have any assets or life insurance or any money left to leave to your kids. So, uh, I know my mom and stepdad had to get divorced, like even before um, things got really bad, because my mom had been through it with my with my dad, and she was basically like, "Look, this is only for finances, but we need to get divorced because all this medical." Debt that you're about to accrue is going to pass to me and my sister and my mom. And, um, they got ahead of it that way, but you know, I don't want to, and none of like all the people who are watching this, your, um, your audience, I'm sure are mostly they're all considering this kind of stuff. They're entrepreneurs, they're building wealth and just having a will, maybe not be enough. And you don't want to be in a position one day where you have to divorce your wife just to keep them from accruing your debt. So I guess my question to you, since, you know, obviously you've explored a lot of this asset
2: protection stuff is what's the solution for that? Yeah, that was my same question. I just was interested in knowing like for the average person who has, you know, that doesn't have you know, all of the assets and all the stuff to, that are at risk of this situation, what would you suggest to them? And like, even on where to start in that process?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great questions. So I think um, the first thing is life insurance. So that's number one. Everyone needs to have some form of life insurance. Now, you know, like you brought up infinite banking and stuff and that's, you know, a a tool of which they're using life insurance to try and make more money. It's not necessarily they're using it for the life insurance for a policy in the way that I'm talking about. It's more like a financial tool. I'm talking about just get any kind of life insurance. Like, so for me, you know, I don't have whole life or anything that you would use for infinite banking, but what I have is a term policy. Mm -hmm. And so like, um, it's very cheap a month. I want to say, maybe like 50 bucks a month. It's nothing crazy. Mm -hmm. And my policy is pretty big. It's an eight figure policy. Wow! Mm -hmm. So if I die, um, Mindy will get an eight figure payout. Don't tell her that. Yeah. That's (laughs) a bounty on your head. (laughs) Yeah. We don't need this bounty going on. (laughs) Okay. Hmm. You might have to edit that out, but uh, (laughs) you know, I, I have a life policy and, you know, granted, they're not going to go take some guy who works at 7 Eleven and be like, yep, this guy gets an A figure life policy because he's, you know, if he dies, his family's in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, no, they're not. He works at 7 Eleven. Right. You know, but they, they, when you get a policy like this, they look at a number of factors. They look at how much um, you make, they look at, um, your health, your age, all these factors, and they determine what your plan's going to be. And mm. so they're like, okay, Ryan's young, he's healthy, he's in good shape, he don't smoke, he don't do any of these things. Um, He's in as good a shape as you could be for a 33-year-old. And um, they do that, and then they look at, hey, what's Ryan's income? Okay, this is what he's making, this is what's going on with his family. All right, cool. Like, And then basically at that point, they ask me, they're like, how big of a policy do you want to get, you know, based on the price and all these things. And I don't even know how we've settled on where it's at today. It probably needs to be updated again, right? Like, I don't even... It's been probably uh, two years since I updated it. Gotcha. And I don't know the ins and outs of the policy and all that stuff. But um, I just know if I die, like, you know, they'll have a big payout right then and there. Mm. And anybody listening can do that, you know? Anyone here, I would guess, could probably get... Even the guy at 7-Eleven... Um, can get like probably a half a million dollar, a million dollar payout if they die. Definitely. And that's not to say, you know, I guess I I take back what I said earlier about his family won't struggle. Like I'm sure, obviously, if he dies, his family will have a hard time, but they don't need ten million dollars, right? Yeah. You know, right. So,
1: well, I, and a, a caveat to that too that I learned um, from a guy I worked for actually. I was about to turn thirty, and he came to me. He's an older guy. He's like Blake. You gotta get life insurance now if you're ever gonna do it. Cause before you turn 30, your it's premiums cheaper. are much cheaper. Way cheaper. You can get a 30 year policy. And so I got like a two million dollar policy for 40 bucks a month or something. Like
0: exactly. That. That's actually what I did. Now that now that you bring that up, I got my first policy um back in when before I was 30 mm-hmm. when I got my will. I got my will done when I became a millionaire. That was when I was like 29, I was mm-hmm. like, hey, I should probably get a will now because somebody told me. Actually, it was what happened was one of my private lenders was like, hey, Ryan, do you have a will? And I was like, no. And he's like, you need to get a will like not only for your family, but to protect my investment in you. Right. Well, uh, because um, mm. basically in real estate, right, all these properties I own, if I don't have a will or anything, it goes to probate. And probate Much. is just a terrible process mm-hmm. of what this is. And so... He was the one who was like, do you need to look into it? And I was like, okay. And so I got it. And I was like, yeah, you know, obviously I need this. And then I got life insurance too. And to your point, I think my first policy I ever got was about $2 million, just mm. like yours. It's like 40 bucks a month. And so I still have that policy today. So then what happened was um, I went to update my will and everything. I'm like, I should probably update my policy. 2 million bucks ain't much for what I'm doing these days. Right. And so um, we updated it. And then I'm sure... And I guess the way it works is you have – now I have two policies because that first policy was one.
1: Right. You wanted to hold it because the premium
0: is low. Because, yeah, it was a good deal.
1: Yeah. Well, so that's obviously the most important first step is getting a life insurance policy so that your family, your assets, your debts will be paid and they will get the rest yep. of what's left. I guess my scenario that I'm looking at, and this is how it went down with my dad, was you know the life insurance policy – um, which I don't even think he had one, but even if he did, it probably would have been eaten up by medical debt right? and still left us destitute. So is there a way to work around that through LLCs? And like, I know for instance, um, the presidential conflict of interest with Donald Trump and his businesses, he turned everything over to his kids because he's not allowed to have a stake or profit in those businesses due to conflict of interest with, foreign policy and all the different things. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he structured things in a way that, you know, he didn't show any ownership. Um, and I imagine it would be similar to what you would want for your family. I just don't know how to do that. Does that look like an LLC that, uh, gets paid out on your assets or like, for instance, I've got around 2 million in real estate now. Um, it's, which is crazy. Cause think about like a year and a half ago, I had one, just one house and we started talking about it. You'd been trying to talk me into it for years and I finally kind of sacked up and started taking your advice. So I don't say that to brag, but just to like help people understand that it can happen really fast if you start taking healthy risk. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, so, so now that I've got more assets, I am worried if uh, something happened and I had to accrue medical debt, um, that it probably would leak in eat into this life insurance policy that I have. Maybe I should just update my life insurance to cover worst case. But
0: yeah, I mean, as you make more money, you should definitely, um, think about upping your life insurance Mm -hmm. for sure. And then it just goes into, you know, people might be thinking, should I get whole life or term to me? Like at least get term because term is cheap. Right. You know, like you said, 40 bucks a month, 2 million bucks. Like that's bare minimum, what everyone should do. um, in a whole life, I, I still don't even understand all the ins and outs. I know but,
1: we need to get somebody on to talk about that at some point,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, uh, like I've had um, you know, like Chris Noggle on to talk about using whole life as a financial tool, right? You know, and putting money away into it as like a savings account, right? Essentially, but um, yeah, I don't know for most people, it's just not super necessary. Term will cover for what we're talking about, totally. So the next thing becomes, um, once you're taken care of on life insurance, um, it becomes your will. And so a lot of people are will and trust, I should say. A lot of people don't know when's the right time, how much money do you need, all these things. Um, Look, I'm not an expert on this. Everybody will say different things. Um, But I do know, you know, getting a will and a trust done is not cheap. Uh, Mm. I couldn't even tell you what I paid, but... I would guess you're going to probably spend like three, four grand mm-hmm. to go get one done. So, you know, the only reason you get one done, obviously, too, is if you have assets. So right. what kind of assets do you have? I mean, here's the deal. And I I mean, I, I don't want to say everything is like an absolute because every state has different laws, but mm-hmm. typically if you and your wife own your house together, if you die, she still owns the house like nothing's going to happen or change on that front. So, you know, if that's the asset there's there's not much there. Um and I'm sure there are ways you could protect the house. There are things like called homestead mm-hmm. that you could file against your house that basically prevent creditors from coming after your house. Interesting. So you can file a homestead um on your house to prevent the scenario you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh from there you make the decision of okay, right now that I do have other assets, maybe I own a business, maybe I, um, you know, own stocks or multiple rental properties or whatever. Then at that point, you know, if you, I would say if you got like a multiple six figure net worth, you should have a, a will. And a a trust. Yeah. So today's podcast is brought to you by Future Flipper. So Future Flipper is a real estate education company that I founded back in 2018. And since then, we have helped thousands of students all across the country learn how to invest in real estate. And it doesn't matter whether you're trying to learn how to flip houses, whether you're looking to wholesale or build your rental portfolio, we've helped everyone in all the different circumstances. This even includes people who have never done a real estate deal. We've helped beginners get their very first deal. We helped other people who have already done some deals scale to doing multiple deals a month. And we've even helped people get to my level, people to scale their business to doing over a hundred deals a year learning to become an owner of the company and not be involved in the day-to-day and learn how to delegate and hire employees at the highest level. So regardless of what boat you are in, we can help you out at Future Flipper. We've got amazing events. We've got amazing coaches. I coach directly in Future Flipper and I would love to help you get to the next level. So all that being said, if you are interested in getting a free consultation call, a free strategy call to see what it's gonna take to help you get to the next level, Go to futureflipper.com and you can book a call with my team. Once again, check out futureflipper.com to book a call. I know that many of my listeners on this podcast are high-income earners in fields outside of real estate. And they always ask me, Ryan, how should I invest my money? Should I go start flipping houses? Should I buy an Airbnb? Should I buy rentals? What do you think? And I always say, look, a better use of your time is continuing to build your business and your career because you're already really good at it. Trying to go figure out how to do real estate deals on your own and managing construction and all that stuff is probably not the best use of your time, but you can still invest in real estate by joining Panada Capital we will do everything for you. We will find the deals, we will manage them, we will get them renovated, we'll get them rented out and everything else. All you've got to do is invest and you're going to get a return on your money. So if you want to figure out what is the next deal that you can invest in, you can go to PinedaCapital.com. Currently, we're only open it to accredited investors only. So if you want to get in on our next deal and you want to get on the VIP list, definitely go to PinedaCapital.com and apply today.
1: It's crazy when you go to fill out and well, when you go to create one, the kinds of uh, topics you have to face. Like I've advised a lot of people to go get a will. And when I check up on them, hey, man, did you go get the will and trust done yeah. or, or your living trust? Because there's I want to clarify. The you difference. have yours right now? I do. Yeah, yes, okay. I do and for anyone that
0: I thought you were advising people. Yeah, and
1: I don't have I've one. advised
0: people. I've heard that it's it's pretty complicated. Yeah. That,
1: no, that would have been a good call out, but no, I, I do have <laughs> I do have a living trust. Um, so you kind of you got some assets. Yeah, kind of a big deal. <laughs> so, but the the main thing that has, in my experience kept people from going to do it is all of the all of the decisions about death that you have to face when you go there it's pretty morbid sitting oh, down with a lawyer
0: well that and um you know it causes fights too yeah true because <laughs> uh, for instance to your point the first time Mindy and I did it right we um <laughs> and I, I have to be very careful with what I even want to say on air okay. so the first time we did it uh you know they ask you these questions right they mm. say hey at the time Mindy and I did not have any kids we were married okay okay so they're like, Hey, what happens when you guys do have kids? Who's going to get the stuff? And it's like, okay, well, I guess we'll, we'll split them equally. Like, that's pretty simple. Okay, cool. Um, okay. Now, assuming you guys have kids, uh, who are the kids going to live with? And that's already the first, uh, fight. Big time. My they, parents, your parents. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So, you know, we got to make the arguments f- for who we think. And, You know, the case is for us, like, we both have great parents who live in Vegas. They're both awesome grandparents. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, And then they ask, hey, so assuming both your parents are dead, like, dang, this is getting deep. Who are they living with? Yeah, right. Right? And um, Mindy's an only child, so she doesn't really have family on Mm -hmm. that side. I have my sister, but my sister ain't raising any kids. So who are they living with? So, you know, that that's a whole nother thing in itself.
1: So that's why you called me asking how many rooms we had.
0: Yeah. I'm like, Blake, in our house. how many rooms? How would you like to live on a mountain? <laughs> if yeah. I if I die and my parents die and Mindy's parents die, would you be willing to take my castle on the mountain and live there and
1: raise the kids? Oh, man, what a sacrifice. <laughs> that would be. Yeah, I'll be that guy.
0: I'll do it. It's fine. As long as I get,
1: as long as I get your uh, Southern Highlands membership, it all transfers
0: know. over in the wheel. <laughs> it's all in the wheel. Uh, no, but seriously,
1: those are morbid conversations, and they do start fights. And, and uh, even if they don't start fights, it's still uncomfortable, like having to answer, uh, "Who gets to decide if you're going to be pulled off of life support or not?"
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, no. That. Oh, yeah. I forgot we had to do that mm-hmm. one too. Yep. So Mindy and I. We recently actually re-talked about this because I don't remember what I said four years ago or five years ago, but I think I said, I was like, just pull me, dude. <laughs> like, let me be with Jesus yeah. and that's it. If it's my time, the sooner I'm in heaven, let me go. Yeah. And she's like, no, not going to do that. And I was like, those are my wishes. And then um, I don't even remember what I said, but I think I changed my mind. Mm. And, oh, you know what? I did change my mind. You know Why? Because um, as I've grown closer with God and just understanding the Holy Spirit and you know healing and everything, I'm like, no, see if I have a miraculous healing. Right. You never know. Yeah, That's man. what happened. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. I, mine was, um, like I said, with my dad and my stepfather, and I've been through it with my grandmother in the hospital, and I've seen where doctors have the control because I think- Maybe somebody fact-checked me on this, but I think if you don't have a will, um, if you don't have a living trust with your... You
0: don't have any wishes.
1: With your wishes, then the doctor has say in what happens, either 100% or 50-50. When you make your living trust, you get to choose, okay, who has control. Either, for instance, for me, it's like my wife has complete control. And I'm just kind of realizing in the same breath that I said I have a $2 million life insurance policy, mm-hmm. I also say my wife has complete control to pull me off life support. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that'll test her out. But uh, <laughs> you know, it'll test, test what she's made of. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Decisions. Let, him, let him go. <laughs> the doctor's like, so what are we going to do? She's like, I'm on the phone with life insurance. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <Gotta
0: make sure." laughs> but um, yes, we, we'll buy it. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll buy the new house. We'll, we'll take it. But uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just... Uh, it's a morbid conversation and you know, I put my wife in charge because I just, you never know what doctor you're going to have. And if you trust them or not, um, I think there's so many amazing doctors out there and I haven't really met any bad ones I wouldn't trust. But at the same time I had to just put it on, on Erica um, knowing my wishes and respecting what I want. But yeah, it's, it's morbid stuff,
0: man. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. I think, um, you know, on the family side of it, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made that are really hard to make, mm. and it's uncomfortable. You know, we've had to go through it twice now, and it's about that time to do it again. Mm-hmm. we're We're literally at that time now where I think the second time we did it, James, we had James, and so that had to change. And I think Mindy was pregnant. Uh. so we knew we were, you know, gonna have Olivia. And, um, yeah, it's probably time to update it again, but, um, you got to make those family decisions. I mean, obviously you get the life insurance and now when you get,
2: was that an announcement, right? Did you just announce something to everyone by saying we had James and then we had Olivia (laughs) and now it's about time to do it again? No, there, there was no, there was no (laughs) announcement on Uh, any third Oh man. Clip that up. Clip it up. (laughs) Clip it up. (laughs)
0: Put the conspiracy theories. Yeah. Um no, there's not. As of yet. Or is there.
2: Or is there?
0: Dun dun dun. <laughs> I don't know. Mindy was on the show. Did she was she glowing? Ooh. Did you
2: she announced something? I don't know what it was, but she announced something. I'm here.
0: Yep, she did. She did. Who knows? Let the let the media speculate. Um so yeah, after that, you know, for me, the hard part. Like For most people, that's all they'll have to figure out is your will, your trust, cool, your assets. They're going to usually your spouse and your kids. You're square. You're good to go. For me, it now gets into the difficult part of my businesses and basically not to compare myself to the Patagonia guy who's got a $3 billion company, right? That's a bit of a different situation. Actually, I think his situation was easier because his Mm. situation is that his company's fine. He ain't doing you don't need to do anything. Patagonia right. is going to run with or without him. Totally. Right. And, but for me, all these businesses, um, even though I'm pretty passive, still require me in some way or another. Right?
1: right. High level, especially.
0: Yeah. So figuring out what happens next with all these businesses is something I've had to think long and hard about with, um, my wishes and also too, not even my wishes, if I were to die, but also just setting them up in a way, today, while I'm live, where, hey, these things shouldn't totally depend on me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I get these things rolling as standalone, you know, things? And so it's like, when I think about Future Flipper, the reason I'm trying to build Future Flipper into this whole media company with other faces and people is so that, if I were to die today, I truly believe Future Flipper could continue to run and be great, and guys like Brian Davila and other people could step up, right, take the community by the horns, and go dominate, and it would still be a force. totally, And, you know, kind of my ethos would still live on within Future Flipper. And, you know, I like to think that for some of my companies and others I know aren't quite there. Right? Right. Um, And so, you know, I just think there's a lot that um, still needs to be done, but understanding the framework of, I've never wanted the businesses to be solely dependent on me. I've always thought about how do I make this not about me and set it up in a way that does not require me in the long run?
1: Right. Well, I think that's almost, that's part of the blessing of the fact that like Yvonne Shenard, you weren't really looking to be the face of a business when you got into all this, like this guy, he was a, let me read this quote about him so that everyone can kind of get a sense for who this guy is. This is from a New York times piece. Um, in some ways, the forfeiture of Patagonia is not terribly surprising coming from Mr. Shenard. As a pioneering rock climber in California's Yosemite Valley in the 1960s, Mr. Shenard lived out of his car and ate damaged cans of cat food that he bought for five cents apiece. Even today, he wears raggedy old clothes, drives a beat-up Subaru, <laughs> splits his time between modest homes in Ventura and Jackson, Wyoming, and Mr. Shenard does not own a computer or a cell phone. <laughs> you know? And uh, one huh. of his quotes was, there's no difference between a pessimist Who says oh it's hopeless don't bother doing anything and an optimist who says don't bother doing anything Mm -hmm. it's going to turn out fine anyway either way nothing happens so uh those are the like when you said you're not like him on the on the numbers I get what you're saying because he's got a three billion dollar company but on the other side of that like he didn't want to be the face of these businesses right and it worked out to his advantage because due to that fact he built them to run without him
0: I want to know how he built the businesses. Period. With yeah. that, just listening to who he is. Being now. a rock climber guy, I know, man.
1: <laughs> but he, I think he started making the best gear. He's like, he knew the, he knew the gear, and he knew what the gap was. Started making high quality.
0: Yeah, but I mean, did he have a cell phone ever? <laughs> like, did he ever use his computer, or did he? Was he just the gear guy, like in product development? Here's the shirt, <laughs> and then after yeah. that, you guys sell it.
1: I was thinking the same thing today. Like, was he just a savant and an artist? at designing the the clothing so that you could. Cause
0: he, I don't know that he's an operational guy.
1: Right. Yeah. How do you get by without it? Like what would happen to your businesses if you went with no computer and no cell
0: phone for a week? But also too, if I was a rock climbing hippie who just didn't care for business, like right. I could get by without a phone and a computer, I'd figure it out because I'm also like very passionate about running a business. Right.
1: Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Like he, he almost spitefully ran, yeah. built a $3 billion business. Yeah, if I have to. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Well, what are some of the innovations that you make in your businesses to to get them to run without you? That's a great question.
0: Well, let me uh, first say, too, to, to finish the, the thought about how it works if I die. Mm-hmm. I actually had this conversation with um, Brian Davila recently. He's the CEO of Future Flipper. And um, he recently became a partner in Future Flipper. Cool. Congrats, Brian. Yep. Big congrats to him. For sure. And he essentially, uh, you know, we were just talking about what the partnership agreement would look like. And I was explaining to him, like, hey, you know, here's why this needs to be structured the way it is, you know. And I I brought it to him. I go, Brian, what what happens if you die, right? Like, that's why this needs to play out the way this plays out, right? Right. I'm explaining it to him and he goes, what happens if you die? <laughs> and I was like, that's a good question. <laughs> and, um, I was like, that's a question that, uh, you know, there's kind of a plan for every company on what happens. I mean, obviously like each individual company has their own operating agreement, which spells it out. What happens if a member dies? Mm. So whether it's me or one of my partners, it's, it's in there on what happens. Mm. um, and then just in general, what happens to all my wealth and the ownership of these companies, et cetera. So, you know, for me, like just so everyone is clear, one of the things that happens is, um, Noel, she's already in charge of so many of these companies. So like some ownership reverts to her so that she's incentivized to, you know, grow these companies, keep them going you know, all that stuff. Cause she's involved on in the day to day. For those who don't know, Noel's my sister. She's my only sibling. Um, So she takes over a lot of it. Um, Ownership obviously goes to my wife and um, the kids and everything else, the majority. And, you know, the reason a lot of it goes, not a lot of it, but like, you know, a portion goes to Noelle is because she is going to be the one to run it. Like she replaces me essentially, whereas Mindy and my kids, they're not a part of it. They they don't even know what to do. Right. Um, So there's that part of it. And... Really, there's the part of, hey, communicating with Noelle and everyone else, like, how do we get me not involved, Mm. you know, uh, make it less about me, more about everything we're doing. Yeah. And I'm trying to build them all in that way. Well, and I think
1: you've you've seemed to have used your social media presence to fill in the gaps where you're needed. Like, I remember I came to you probably a year ago. I was like, hey, man, uh, with my music stuff, I really need to outsource my content editing and a lot of the stuff that's just so time consuming. You said, man, just shout it out on social media and it'll, it'll work itself out. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think you're right, man, because I've used that tactic with that and a lot of other different things that most people may not consider. You think, how am I going to find good people to replace me? And, uh, you seem to have done a pretty good job of that. I mean, most of the people that you have like Justin here are even better than
2: you. 100%. 100%. I like that, Blake.
0: <laughs> that was My co-host is a better host than me. My <laughs> producer's better. Everyone's better. <laughs> Everyone's better. Oh, man. But that should be the case, right? Yeah, like, you should You should go for that. I That's... should want people who are better than me in these roles. 100%. Yep.
1: <coughs> what about the way that uh, estate planning has changed your day-to-day? Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example for me. When I... Got life insurance when I put a living trust in place. And until this recent realization that, oh, I might not be covered for medical debt. Until that, you know, I had a a lot more peace day to day. Whether that was business, going on trips, um, whatever else. Like when you have kids, as you guys both can probably agree, like you stop and think for a second before you start doing stuff. Um, Like I used to be a wild man. I'd jump off a cliff. But now... With the kids, it's kind of changes the way I go about my life. And putting all these measures in place has helped to kind of get back to living not dangerously, but living stress-free. Do you feel that way?
0: Um I don't know. I never lived as a crazy man before. Hmm. So I don't think I've changed the way I live really at all. Um I think financially, and this is something I've told people a lot. It's a totally different subject, but it kind of relates where I get these people who at different points in your life, you're willing to take different amounts of risk. Okay. So whenever I get somebody who's thinking about getting into flipping houses, you know, they join Future Flipper um, and they say, hey, Ryan, you know, here's my situation. What should I do? Um, the advice is always different because if you're a young 22-year-old with no family, no kids, nothing, you know, you can take way more risk than the guy who's 40 years old, three kids, wife, et cetera. Totally. They're to- totally different boats. But there's also the risk of your current wealth level too, right? So it, it it actually cracks me up because you see, you know, the the wrong thing actually play out. So I see a lot of poor people very scared to take risk Mm -hmm. they don't have a lot of money they're Mm -hmm. broke and i'll be like look it's not me directly but you know basically some version of it like look you need future flipper you have nothing to lose right right and they're like well i can't afford it i have no money and i'm like put it on a credit card and they're like i'm I'm not gonna go into debt and i'm like so how do you think you're gonna get out of this situation Mm -hmm. you know like you're gonna go into debt some way whether it's credit card debt, whether it's debt to go buy a house to flip, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, what do you think you're going to do? Do you think that you're going to earn your way out of this? Right. You don't make enough money. You've never figured out how to make money. Do you think you're miraculously going to figure it out without any mentorship or anything else like you? And and let's like just look at the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is it doesn't work out <laughs> and you have this credit card bill. Right. You're still broke. You're in the same position. There's nothing to lose. You have literally, literally nothing, nothing to, lose to lose when you are broke. Right. You declare bankruptcy because it just goes so bad. You're still broke. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. You have nothing to lose. The poor person is the one where they're the most like scared to lose their money, when in reality, they need to be the most risk-taking because they have nothing to lose. Right. Now, I understand why rich people, on the other hand, or even middle class... I would say you, you fit great into this boat because yeah, yeah. you're very risk averse and we've talked about this a lot. Right. Where financially, financially you're risk. Yeah. You'll jump off a mountain, <laughs> but you're scared to go spend a dollar. Yeah, It's it makes totally. no sense. And so, and I've, I've like grilled into you for years. many times yep. throughout the years. And I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, I don't understand why you could have that opinion <laughs> Right. based on you'll do this, but you won't do this.
1: Yep. It, and, and for what? for everyone else out there. I was on the Dave Ramsey plan for a while <laughs> where I'm like no debt, I own everything, and then I'm like, man, this is slow going. <laughs> this is it's a slow
0: grind. Like it's
1: great for people who really need help not accruing massive debt on bad purchases like yeah. boats and cars and shoes, but man, if you're trying to accrue wealth, good debt. There's is good. not
0: one wealthy person I've ever seen that didn't take on debt. Yeah. They all take on debt to start a business. They all take on debt if they want to go public and raise Mm -hmm. money to grow the business, they all take on debt to buy real estate. They take on, everyone takes on debt. That's the only way to grow.
1: It's the word debt. There should almost be two words for it. There's like bad debt, good debt. Yep. But you know, there's survival debt where a lot of these folks that you're talking about that won't spend money on future flipper or anything really for that matter, their education to help them get out of their hole. They have all this survival debt of, you know, bills they've owed and, uh, maybe it's bad purchases that they've made or maybe it maybe it's just a bad hand that they're trying to dig out of. They might have the medical debt, like you said. Yeah, medical debt. That was my, my family growing up. But then the reason Dave Ramsey was good for me is because, you know, after pro ball, I was just trying to like wrap my head around what life needed to look like and um, definitely didn't want to spend the cash that I had or use the assets that I had to live. Mm-hmm. And so- you know, living very frugally was something that came pretty naturally after the minor leagues. Mm -hmm. And once you get to that point where you have zero debt and you're looking at everything as, okay, I'm out of survival mode. My brain can work now. I think that for me, that's, that's an experience that I had that took me from the dumb way of thinking you were just referencing to a more strategic, okay, let's choose our debt now. Instead of survival debt that you're just reacting to, let's choose a debt proactively, like uh, Robert Kiyosaki would say in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, choose your, um, choose your assets, mm-hmm. limit your liabilities, and take good debt on good assets that will make you rich.
0: The number one question I get asked by entrepreneurs is, Ryan, how do I create a personal brand like you have? How do I start monetizing social media? And I've been asked it so many times that I said, you know what, it's time to start a business and teach everyone exactly how I've done it. If you wanna learn how I've been able to grow my social media following to 1.7 million followers in just two years, and you wanna learn how we've gotten over 500 million views and turn those views into over a million dollars a month in revenue, and Content Empire is for you. You see, there's a lot of people who are teaching how to you know, go viral on one platform or how to run paid ads or funnels, but nobody has figured out how to organically merge the two. Most people think it's pay to play. But if you want to learn how to get organic content, build a fan base, build people who want to buy your products, who don't need to be sold, then I want you to go to contentempire.io, apply for a free strategy session with my team. We will teach you how to build your business on social media and monetize. So once again, go to contentempire.io and we'll chat with you. One of my biggest problems with real estate brokerages is that they don't teach the things that are required for realtors and real estate agents to become truly wealthy. They want to teach people how to just do more transactions because that's what makes the brokerage money. Well, as we know, the real way to gain wealth is by investing in real estate. It's by doing your taxes properly. And even if you want to grow the agent side of your business. going to have to do things differently in today's world. You're going to have to be really good at social media. You're going to have to market differently. You're going to have to work on your sales game. A lot of those things are going to factor in whether you become wealthy in the long run. And I just realized that over time, brokerages just are not fully equipped to handle all those different verticals. And so that's why I created Wealthy Agent. Wealthy Agent is a platform to teach real estate agents how to become truly wealthy, how to grow their real estate agent business, how to invest properly, how to do their taxes, how to grow on social media to get more leads for free. And so if you are an agent and you are looking to grow that side of your business, Go to WealthyAgent.io. We would love to chat with you and see if you're a good fit for the program. We are building a community all across the country that you can tap into. So go to WealthyAgent.io to book a call today. Well, and so I totally agree. Mm. You know, the thing is, you're pretty normal in how you were thinking. Right. Right? Average. Yeah, just like normal. Like, dude, you know, you have a great job, mm. making multiple six figures a year. You know, you had a, a really nice house. Uh, wife and kid, you're like living the dream for the majority of people. Mm. Um, And your your biggest fear was you were scared of anything that would compromise this thing you've built out, which is the dream. Right. Right. The middle class dream, I would call it. Yeah. And um, I get it. You know, it's tough once you've reached like a certain level of contentment where you're like, dude, you know, the risk of buying this one house, even though to me, I'm like, this is not a risk. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, It's just too great. right? And that's for you, the mental block that you had for a long time. And even for wealthy people, let's just call them millionaires, multimillionaires, Mm. they think the same thing, right? As as this real estate market downturn is happening, there are people like myself who are like, let's roll, baby. It's time to make some money. Mm -hmm. And everybody else is scared. That's when the big dog eats. Yeah, right. Right? But then there are those who are like, oh, no, like I've, I've built up my wealth for the last 10, 20 years. I cannot afford to lose it. It's just too risky. Right. Right. And these are wealthy multimillionaires. Mm. They're not wrong. Like, I'm, I'm just like, dude, that, that's your prerogative. Yeah, like your, 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 risk stat, your risk tolerance is that. And you may be right because it may have taken you 20 years or 10 years to to build to that. Whereas mm. me, I built it super fast. And I know if I were to lose it, I'll make it back like that Mm -hmm. because I know how to make money and I know how to make it quick. Right. So to that end, I am willing to take more risks than most people because I have so much confidence in myself and my own abilities that Mm -hmm. I'm like, let's roll baby. Yeah. I'll try anything new. I might crash and burn and I'll figure out how to fix it.
1: Well, dude, and a lot of that I think is, is your faith, which is something that like we haven't really talked about it yet on the show, but when i came to visit uh so ryan and i played pro baseball together i would come to visit him probably twice a year just to hang out uh catch up and there was a time where you know being a a musician that is also running a nine to five life with a family there's been a level of discontentment even though you say it's like kind of the american dream Mm -hmm. the mid mid middle class dream for me it wasn't because it's like man i really feel a calling to spend my energy and my life on something that isn't mm. going to generate me as much money. Mm-hmm. And you can relate to this, JP, For sure. Uh, as a musician yourself and an artist.
0: Do you have to be a musician to be on this podcast? Yeah, I think so. No. Ryan, <clears throat> You need to play us a little something, something, <laughs> you you know, I, I tell, I tell Mindy all the time because she's now on the worship team as playing the keys Nord for the Lord. She plays the Nord for the Lord. And <laughs> I, uh, I always tell her, I'm like, tell the worship team, you know, just let me on whatever I need to tithe to get on the worship team, I'm gay. Like, just tell me, let me get on the worship team. You could cut my mic off and, and I'm good. Just let you up there, the hype guy. Just take my mic out. I watched Kirk Franklin with Maverick City just run around and not sing at all. Like, I could do it. <laughs>
2: you got the energy for that. Huh?
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I could see it. But, <laughs> but to tie it back to what I was saying about um, the reason that you're fearless, like, obviously, yes, you believe in your uh, abilities. You've, grown like a pretty awesome skill set um to the point where like a part of the reason why you asked me to be on this is because i do so much random research Mm -hmm. into everything and you're still the guy that i go to and so there's a lot of people that come to me and ask me stuff i'm you're the guy i go to and say hey ryan what do you think about this xyz and the amount of skills that you've built over the last few years has been pretty awesome but what really hit hit me is when i was like gonna move out to Vegas buy a house out here start buying m- more properties uh, we've bought you know three since I came to see you a year ago and uh was he said Blake I'm not going to lose my family like, my family's gonna be here like what what's there to worry about I've got many and the kids and you know a confident approach I expect what I do to work so why not just do it and, um, that's kind of like tying back to this little quote about whether you're a optimist or a pessimist, if you're a pessimist, Oh, don't do anything. It's going to be the same either way. Optimists are like, yeah, it's going to be fine either way. But to be a doer, um, is pretty awesome. And I think you have to have some level of faith, whether it's a crazy entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial faith in yourself, or like for you, you'll of course, tie it back to your faith in God. But yeah, I mean, it's I been think- inspiring for.
0: We we just finished that in Bible study in James, you know, don't, don't be just like a talker of the faith, yeah. be a doer, you right. know, faith without actions is dead. Mm-hmm. And it's true, right? Like I, I hear people all the time, Christian or not, that talk about faith and they're like, yeah, you know, I got so much faith in God and all this stuff. And then uh, all I see is fear. Yeah. right. <laughs> I'm like, really? Because if you were living in faith, you wouldn't have all this fear. Yeah, right. Faith and fear are opposite. Yep. Fear is not trusting. Faith is fully trusting. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and, you know, there were times when I was about to move out here and little things came up. And I remember you saying, I smell fear, boy. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And it would just, it really would. It would take me back a notch. I'm like, man, you're right. I'm trying to talk myself out of this because it's terrifying to take that first step. Um, And just to, like, put some numbers, because I know your audience is probably a numbers, yeah you know, like we all are numbers motivated. So Ryan was talking, trying to talk to me basically into, Hey Blake, you should move out here and put your house in North Carolina on Airbnb. Cause you've been talking about it for three years and you haven't done anything. Yeah. I'm like, bro. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, man. Uh, when I came out here and visited, of course I see your success, but what drew me here wasn't that it was the, it was the faith. And it I was like, man, I'd like to be around this. And the group of people that you've attracted to yourself. Um so we did. We threw our house up on Airbnb, leap of faith. I tried to talk myself out of it 20 times. You called me out for being scared. And now our place in, in North Carolina has rented on Airbnb for seven months out. It's it's rented out through January now at like 10 K a month on a two thousand dollar mortgage. <laughs> wow. Crazy. Yeah. And your
0: your that cash flow pays for your current house in Vegas Plus profit. Yeah, plus profit. You're living for free out L- living here. Living
1: for free, and it's crazy to say because most people would probably look at this and be like, "Oh, you're crazy, man. That's kooky. It's just good business." But there were so many times when I was on the way out here where I was praying about it. Hey, just shut this thing down, God. If it's not gonna, if it's, if it's not what you want, you know, like fearfully. Please, please don't let me have to do this. Dude, so many little things happened. Like we listed our our car because I didn't want to ship two cars. We had an older car and immediately, bing, Facebook, a pastor up the street that ran a church was like, hey, I want to buy this for my daughter. Boom. And everything was made easy. There was four or five incidences like that. And um, anyways, I guess my point in this whole spiel is that what you put out a lot of the time as your entrepreneurial swagger and uh, confidence in yourself all that is is valid but what it ties back to that i wonder if your audience sees all the time it's something that i've seen being buddies for so long is that you just have a very deep trust and in, in, in your faith and it empowers you to just be really successful at anything you want to do without i wanna the fear. Add,
2: i want to add to that too for sure because i know for me like like you said Ryan was telling you to make the leap right to take the jump take right. the risk and I didn't have a Ryan when I made my leap I had 3 grand half of that went to moving everything mm. and the other half went to first month's rent when I moved to to Vegas but my faith Man. allowed me to believe that no matter what I was covered right and so if you're listening you know what I mean you're watching this understand that you don't need the successful Ryan who some may hear you say that and think, like, that's your backing. Like, there's no, it's not a real risk because you got Ryan to help you when you need it. Even, you know, in a situation like mine where I didn't have that, where, I mean, and I moved with a torn patella tendon, so I didn't even have a job when I moved. I just knew that, okay, if, if I make this leap and it all makes sense, I'm in the media space. What's the best place in the country to go for media? It was L.A. It was Atlanta at the time. And then it was Vegas. L.A. was too expensive. <laughs> Atlanta, I didn't want to be around any more mosquitoes moving from Chicago. I hear you. And Vegas was that perfect middle spot. And so it was like, all right, let's take the leap. Let's believe that if this is meant and this is God willing, that he's going to work everything out. I mean, my wife drove across the country by herself to do it while I was having surgery. And But all I knew at the moment was, we okay. We got this. And, I mean, I was surrounded by people that was like, Oh, this is a sign. You got hurt. This is a sign. You stay can't here. Know. Yeah. 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 must me. And, you know, I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to point that out, too, because like you said, after you make the leap, then your faith builds and then you can make more leaps. Yeah. When I when I took on this position, I had a bunch of people, even family members saying, what happens if Ryan quits social media tomorrow? What do you have <laughs> to do? Fear. And it was like, yeah you, you just can't move in that way, you know you you won't achieve anything and and moving in that that type of mindset, but I just wanted to make that clear like you don't need Orion telling you to but
0: even, even when you have me telling you it took me telling Blake three years yeah <laughs> to do something yeah. I'm like, I don't even know anymore dude like <laughs> right
1: but you know what the difference was it wasn't me, I didn't change you didn't change your tune. It was uh, the fact that I kind of got a little more serious about my walk over yeah. the last couple years and yep. it built to a point where it wasn't a business decision. It was, it was, uh,
0: yeah, you had no business reason to move out here. No, it, no, not at all. Yeah. You already had your job, you're remote, you could live anywhere. Yeah. It was strictly, you wanted to be around other believers and people, you know, with faith and right. things.
1: I came out to see you a couple of times and realized like, man, this is a good a very good environment to be in and for me right now this is a very good environment to be in and
0: look and now you're the co-host of the wealthy way podcast I know. <laughs> look, look, look I how far it, you've come <laughs> i made it you've made it <laughs> <laughs> uh, but jb why don't you tell them your uh story of how you
2: even uh started working for me i don't think
0: we've told that story on air
2: no i don't think so um so it's funny like when I, I when I left Chicago, I had a, a few bad experiences just as I left. Right, so like I had there was a, a conflict at the church I was going to. Like I said, I, I was injured. You know, there was a bunch of stuff happening that season, and I was like, "All right, what's going on? Like, this is not what you thought and what you planned for." You know, at this age, and um, funny enough, and this is why I always tell people to, to listen to women because they're a lot smarter than we are. Mm my wife didn't give me the option of attending church. She was like, you've grown up your whole life in it. You know better than to have this feeling towards the church now that you've had a bad experience. And so, um, you know, we visited. We actually visited Ryan's uh, home church first. And then we found another one just up the street from that one um, that we really enjoyed. And it was through that community that stuff started to happen. And I found it in myself again to just dedicate myself to the serving part mm. of ministry. And it was like, all right, whatever they asked, like, I didn't care if I had to move cones in the parking lot, I was going to do it. But I was like, I got, you know, I was blessed enough to where they can see talent and they can see potential. And they, and I moved into the, uh, a media space in that, in, in the church. And so serving is what I found A lot of times, the result of that and dedicating myself to it, I was being blessed over and over again. And it was even allowing me to bless others. And there was at one point of that season that I was like, now I just want to be surrounded around like-minded individuals, successful individuals, and Christian men. I was working for an armored truck company, and it was just toxic. It was like... The men were working all day long because they didn't want to go home mm-hmm. to their wives. Like they were, you know, everything about it was toxic. And I was like, I don't want to be around this because it's poisonous. And so, um, uh, a buddy of mine, Omar, uh, just sent me a screenshot of one of Ryan's Instagram stories. That's like I'm looking for, you know, a, a editor. There you go. And just like that, you know, a relationship was built. My first conversation with Ryan, he goes, "Yeah, I'm just looking for an editor to do this podcast that I'm releasing." And I was like, oh, "Okay." He's like, "How do you know Omar?" I was like, "I know him from church." He's like, "Well, if you if he trusts you, then I trust you." And it was a quick conversation. He was like, "Be at my office this day." Blah blah. blah. And we had another conversation. But I, what I found most interesting that it wasn't even about editing. It wasn't about you know the podcast. the The conversation was more about life and what my values were. Mm. And I and now you know obviously in hindsight I can see why he does it because it's what he bases his decisions on, um, but yeah it was it was you know that type of dedication the risk of taking the move you know and then being open to you know new things and opening to to following what you know you feel in your heart but it essentially led to you know the opportunity
0: you didn't even mention the the craziest part about that story what part the fast.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that's a big part of that, because on we, we were on a Daniel Fast for 10 days and I had talked to you maybe right before it started initially. And then on day 10, we, we kind of closed the deal and was working on, you know, I was putting in my two week notice and it was like when you truly believe and you commit to it. Because, and honestly, it was like the first time I had like fasted legitly. Like I I didn't find a way out of this. It was like in this season, I really need to do this. And so on day 10 is when everything kind of fell into place. You know, Man. it really started a journey for me. Like, you know, even just, you know, education wise, it was, it's a bunch of stuff I've learned in just that time period that there's no other way I would uh, have access.
0: Did from, from editor? to co-host of the Wealthy Way That's podcast. It. Mama, I made it. You're <laughs> crazy, man. You guys made it, dude. <laughs> well,
1: and and just the uh, letting go, right? The feeling of letting go. That's, if, in a nutshell, it's like you're holding on so tight to all the control you have o- over manipulating every aspect. You don't want to lose a dime to risk or to any of the things we just talked about. Um, and it ties back into the estate planning conversation because the fear um, that I have felt melt away just from having my family looked out for to the best of my ability like there's still some things that I need to address and mm-hmm. you too I guess mm-hmm. uh, to restructure your will and trust and um but at the end of the day like there's still a piece there
0: you know I think it all comes back to as you were saying like holding on to the money <clears throat> you know I think it all goes back to your belief and you know we're talking about faith but your belief in what you view money as, right? Because there's so many people that view money as, I gotta have it. If I lose it, I lose it for good. I'm never getting it back. And, you know, uh, this is very hard. Yeah. And, you know, I value this money so much because I, for whatever reason, like it's idolatry. And for me, I really have never valued money that much. Like right. I told you, I live frugally. I was chilling. I've always thought I was rich when I was broke. Like, I literally, I'm like, I'm good, dude. Like, when you got that Veloster? When dude. I got the, the Hyundai Veloster Ooh, in 2012. Veloster. Oh, man. The, we were rolling in that thing.
1: Man, that was the,
0: we but don't talk about that.
1: Part of that, That was the minor league life. Yeah. It conditioned you to be content with nothing.
0: Yeah, you know, for those wondering the story, I bought a 2012 Hyundai Veloster, brand new, paid 20 Gs for it. I was so proud of it because I'm like, dude, this was the best deal ever. I got a brand new car gets 40 mpg. It's the girliest dumbest looking car ever. <laughs> but, you know what? This was a great deal. And then I ended up getting rid of it 6 months later cuz I'm like this car sucks. Yeah. And um took a loss on it. But uh nonetheless, I thought I was rolling in style and luxury mm-hmm. in that Hyundai Veloster. And so nothing has changed. Like I-, I drive the Porsche now and I'm like I still feel cool like right. I did when I had the Veloster. Um, though I'm much cooler now. Yeah. So <laughs> objectively. Yeah. Well, and you kinda of
1: shared that with me too, because you know, with the with the whole social media content, whatever gets attention is going to be good for business. And in a nutshell, like you're also helping people a lot with I mean, I've seen a lot of the success stories with future flippers. So either way, the end result is a positive thing. But when we talked about cause, you know, I, I came out to visit you intermittently. And there was a time where like your success had skyrocketed and I'm like, I wonder if Ryan's going to be the same guy. (laughs) I'm about to go stay with Ryan now. And he went from, you know, couch flipping to being like, you know, a multi -multi multi-millionaire. And, uh, you know, so I'm testing, I'm testing the waters, man. So how's everything been (laughs) going? Like, who are you? What's new? Who are you? Who do you you? care about? What kind of shoes are you wearing? What are those things? (laughs) And, um, you know, we got to talking about it and it was the Porsche that I started talking about. Like, you know what, dude, I still don't care. And I'm like, ah, like he's still the same guy, but you're like, but the more I've learned that, you know, really nice things, world-class things in general, um, do a lot for my marketing, the more I've learned to love world-class quality.
0: Yeah. I remember that conversation. Yeah. I've learned to appreciate people who are world-class at whatever they do. Yeah. You know, Porsche makes a world-class car, even though I've had my ups and downs with it. Um, the, just the quality and like you see the build of it versus a Toyota mm-hmm. which Toyota's been what I've driven my whole life and I'm like yeah I mean Toyota's reliable but by no means is it like this world class built car it's right. just it's a car right. that you don't have to worry about it's like Chipotle yeah. Toyota's like Chipotle totally. it's great <laughs> yeah. and you know but it's not a Michelin star restaurant yep. it's, and not then,
1: it's not tuna Yellow pizza it's
0: not tuna pizza from Yellowtail you know and so when I get tuna pizza from Yellowtail, I appreciate, I'm like, dude, how did this guy come up with this? Yeah, right. This is the craziest dish ever. And exactly. like the tuna and everything is so great. And I've just learned like, yo, I appreciate people who are world-class at what they do. When I see a YouTube video, not for the entertainment, but I see, I notice the editing. I noticed how they hooked them in with the store. I'm like, dude, this guy is a world-class creator mm-hmm. and how he structures storytelling. I can just see it. Uh, it when somebody is a salesperson and they sell me on something half the time I buy it. Cause I'm just like, dude, that was a good sales pitch. Yeah, like you appreciate, I appreciate that. I'm going to buy that. Totally. Um, and I'm so insane. that's, that's kind of where I've been now is like, I appreciate people who are world-class and what they do.
1: Yeah. And so it's less about like the flex and it's more about the art of being world-class at whatever it is you're doing.
0: Yeah. You know? you know, you create something that's like the best in the world, like Porsche. That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. <laughs> Imagine
1: the engineer that dedicated his life to designing, you know, one little component of the yeah. vehicle and he gets yeah. his dream job at Porsche and, and now well, he gets to live. And, it and that was the dream. thing
0: too. So I recently bought, um, another Rolex. So like my thing is now I'm going to buy like one watch a year at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I've been buying, I've been getting one watch a year now. And, uh, this year I got the Rolex Rose gold day date, which is also known as the, uh, Presidente, from what I'm told. And, Um, that watch is, you know, super nice and cool. And obviously, but like, you know, you hear these guys talk about all the intricacies of making a watch and the amount of time and hand hours and things that go into it. And I'm like, dude, it's crazy that this watch was made that way, you know, and Rolex is different because they're manufactured in bulk, a lot of them, but you know, like an AP or a Patek or, um, you know, whatever. So I've just learned to appreciate the nice things and, uh, you know, life's a little different now too. I can afford them. I don't, buying a Rolex isn't going to bankrupt me before like it would have before. Totally. Right?
1: So. Well, and you can take that outlook even if you don't have millions of dollars. Like somebody like me, I've got three kids. I'm not spending, I'm not going to buy a Rolex this year, Ryan. Okay. Don't judge me, but I won't be buying a Rolex this year. But uh, at at the same time, like that, that mindset makes life a lot more enjoyable, man. Like whether it's YouTube videos or as a musician, when I see good art,
0: well, I've seen you buy like super expensive things that are like random. Good point. And I was like, why'd you buy that? And you're like, you don't get it. This craft of like, this guy did this, this guy. I'm like, okay. Like before I'd have been like, dude, what, whatever that doesn't matter. But now I'm like, I get it. Exactly.
1: Yes. It's like an artist's mindset. I think.
0: Yeah. No, I appreciate good things, Mm -hmm. but cool. Well, I think this is a great episode for those who are worrying about what's after how to set up estate planning. I think we dived in some good stuff. Everyone, if you like this, make sure you leave that five-star review on Apple. Also too, I might just read one of your reviews and shout you out on the next episode. So make sure you leave those reviews. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wealthy Way podcast. If you got value, there are two things I want you to do. The first is, go to WealthyWay.com and get access to all of our free stuff. You can download our courses for free. You can use the Wealthy Way Planner for free. You can subscribe to our newsletter. All of it's free. It is such amazing value. I want you to go take advantage of that. The second thing is, if you could go to Apple and leave a five-star review, or if you're watching this on YouTube and subscribe that would be amazing. It would mean a lot to me. In fact, if you leave a review, I might just shout you out on the next episode because we are reading those. So definitely check it out and thanks for watching.